Hoteliers, and welcome to episode 188 of the Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Pete DeMeo, and I'm joined with the preeminent hotel analytics expert in the industry, Miss Melissa Cavanaugh. Howdy ho. But wait, there's more. We even have the man Sergi himself looks up to for search marketing advice, Mr. Philip Fariska. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> and speaking of Sergi and all things Google, today's a Phil episode, so this is going to be pretty exciting. We're going to dive into all kinds of stuff that we can uh, do and everything that Google is going to do for us so we don't have to, we don't have to do anything anymore, right? It, you, you, can, you can set it up that way, but I wouldn't recommend it, and you'll find out why. <laughs> Perfect. All right, so... Before we jump into that, I do believe that we have at least one roux, but we have more may have more than one newsaroo. I guess that's my cue to sing a jingle, huh? You have to sing a jingle. You asked for it. I did ask for it. With hotel marketing cannot lose. Now it's time for Aurora Newsaroos. <laughs> so I, I appreciate how Aurora joined in with the snoring while you were, were saying that. That was pretty awesome. We did a duet. Why didn't you call it snoozeroos, though? Oh, I'm not that quick, Pete. Come on. Pete's had years of practice with these dad jokes. That's true. <laughs> it is true. But uh, yeah, we have so one newsaroo today. And you can either look for it on Forbes or also on MarketWatch. But the headline, more or less, on both places is jobless Americans in at least 16 states are about to get a rude awakening. And I'll be honest with you, the MarketWatch article has some good information, but it's way too opinionated. So I think the Forbes one's a little bit more on point. But kind of give you guys an idea of what's going to be happening. And, and we've talked about this back on 186, where we talked about the issues with employment for hotels. But starting in June, in a couple weeks, several states are going to start removing the extra $300 a week jobless benefits that the federal government has been paying to people who are unemployed. You know, it's starting on, the, on June 12th with Missouri, Iowa, Mississippi, followed right after that by Alabama, Idaho, North Dakota, and Wyoming. They're opting out on the 19th of June. You have Montana, who's discontinuing the benefits on June 27th. In South Carolina, right here, is ending at the end of June, followed by Tennessee and Arizona shortly after the beginning of July. So it's going to be a big change for those specific states because that's going to completely shift the dynamic of is it more profitable to be unemployed or is it more profitable for an individual to be employed you know, even at an entry level position. So, so this is, in my opinion, it's it's a phenomenal thing. It's something that is now needed that we're starting to move past the pandemic, and could hopefully one get people back to work, and two, alleviate the single biggest issue we're seeing in twenty one for hotels. And if and if you are operating in one of these states and and you're putting out social media posts or um, other forms of media to try to bring in employees, stress that this is ending and create a little urgency for, for those people who are collecting this $300 that won't be anymore. And they know they need to come get a job and they can come get a job with you. 
I saw an internet meme today that said maybe if we had a uh, proposed job shortage, then people would actually go out and get jobs like they have been hoarding gas. <laughs> I love it. So the job, uh, the job pipeline has been taken down. So quick, get your job while you can. Well, nice. Well, uh, yeah, so we're going to keep an eye on this one. This one's super, super important. But, uh, yeah, keep an eye out for that because you might have more employees showing up before you know it. And that we'll, would just be swell. Yeah, if, if you look at it from you know, the more opinionated side on the market watch, you know, they talk about the little Republican versus Democrat switch and that you know, some states are going to be harder hit if everyone does not do this together. But, you know, we're going to have to have to see, you know, I think it, it's a great example of each state doing its own thing and seeing what works best. And then states who are going to be following can then choose which path works best for them. So we'll be seeing here over the next couple of weeks if we can get jobs back in back in business. All right. So before we kick off and hand it over to Phil, you can follow along with the show notes we're on episode 188, so go check out fueltravel.com slash podcast and follow along on the show notes. But before you do that, and even before you start listening to this, pause this, go to iTunes, and leave us a solid five-star review. Since we've kind of shifted things up, Stuart is still listening. We know that. I want to make sure that we have more five-star reviews than we've ever had before. So we need your help to make Stuart feel bad. <laughs> And that's that. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Phil, what you got for us today? I got 12 things that you shouldn't let Google automate. Um, this is going to be a very you know, PPC, Google Ads heavy episode. So if you are controlling your Google Ads for your hotels, this is going to be very useful for you, um, especially if it's not something that you specialize in. So there's there's a lot of sneaky little things that, that Google's doing that, that sound fantastic on the surface, um, but not necessarily the best thing for you and your PPC performance. So to kind of break it down, what they've done is they've released a new beta for auto apply, where you can choose quote unquote optimizations that Google will do for you automatically. Um, you know, this, this seems like a great way to streamline your PPC efforts, but in reality, a lot of these automatic optimizations can actually hurt your performance. Um, and we'll kind of break it down, uh, everything that they're proposing they can do for you automatically um, and whether you should or shouldn't do it. Hint, you probably shouldn't do these things automatically. And Google makes it so easy too because you don't get the optimization score of 100 unless you accept all the recommendations or actively deny them. So. Correct. That, that, can be ser that can be sad when you look at it and says only, you know, you're 75% optimized. And, and another thing that they do that I'm not a huge fan of is uh, agencies in particular, but sometimes individual clients will get a Google account strategist. Um, and they're always claiming to be on your side and helping you do the right thing for your account. But in reality, they're just, you know, pushing whatever Google wants them to push. And recently it's been this auto apply. And on the calls, they'll try to you know take you through and say, hey, click on this, click on this, and then select all these things, and, and Google will do this stuff for you automatically. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Again, sounds great. Like, oh, okay, thanks for helping me out. But if you if you really dig into what each of these are doing, you'll notice that it's 
it's not the best for you. It's it's the best for Google. And keep in mind that the Google team who's on the phone with you, yes, they do want to make sure your campaign performs well, but their main goal is also how they're measured is are you increasing the spends of the campaigns that you're managing and guiding? So so they they have an interest in making sure that you spend more and more and more. It's important for you to do well, but I think on, if you look at that on a balance beam or a, a scale, they're going to lean far more toward, hey, spend more with us today versus having the best possible return you can get. Correct. All right. So let's start with, you know, if you if you clicked on auto apply, the very first thing that, that you're going to see at the top is the bidding and budget section. Um, we really have no problem with with Google's smart bidding strategies. They're they're actually really effective, um, particularly, you know, maximize conversions, target return on ad spend. Uh, we've seen these things work really well for us in the past. However, if you're selecting these things for, for Google to apply automatically, um, you, you could be doing yourself a disservice because these bidding strategies should be set on a campaign by campaign basis based on the goal of the campaign. For instance, if you have a brand campaign and you're really lacking an, an impression share on a brand campaign and, and you want to show up every single time for when someone searches your brand, maybe the target impression share bidding strategy is the best one for you. Um, conversely, that may not be the best bidding strategy for a very broad, non-branded campaign. Maybe, maybe for that, you want to have a target cost per acquisition or a target ROAS. Um, so setting these yourself manually based on the goal of the campaign is, is really important. Second thing to note with this is these smart bidding strategies take about two weeks to get through a learning phase and then another two weeks to kind of normalize and start act, uh, acting properly. Um, and when you change your bidding strategy, you should be making an annotation within Google Ads that says, okay, on this date, I made the change to switch to this bidding strategy. And then from there, you can monitor it through the entire learning phase. Uh, and then you can see if it truly is performing better. You can compare date ranges much easier. If you allow Google to do this automatically, you're you're not going to get those annotations. You're not going to get that uh, you know easy. Let's let's look at certain date ranges from the change, and you may not even know what date that it was changed on you. So, um, don't let Google automate your smart bidding strategies. Select them based on the goal of your campaign. So, just to clarify, are you saying that Google? if you allow it to do its own thing, will apply smart bidding at the account level. So it's doing it for all the campaigns or it in Google itself will decide which campaigns to do this with. Uh, I think they, well, I haven't used it cause I'm smarter than them. But, <laughs> um, so right now, like I could select every single one of the bidding strategies they offer. And then that would allow them to, to do it you know, choose whatever one they want to use on any particular campaign. You can select it from a, 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 an entire account level or a specific campaign level. Um, and if you select more than one, it's giving them the freedom to change between these bidding strategies. Yeah. Womp. Yeah. Oh, right. So it's not set it and forget it like we kind of thought, was it? <laughs> Definitely not. All right. All right. 
We'll move on to the next section. So that's the bidding and budget section. And the next is the what I consider the most egregious. It's the keywords and targeting settings. There is Ooh, out of words. Out of the out of the nine recommendations that they offer in this whole keywords and targeting section, there's one that I would even remotely consider. And the rest of them are a hell no. <laughs> How do you really feel? <laughs> so the first one they have is adding negative keywords. So again, on the surface, this sounds like a great option. Why wouldn't you want Google to help you eliminate unqualified searches? Well, because we've seen this kind of backfire. Uh, even in, in the recommendation section of Google, it'll offer up some negatives that it thinks you should add. Uh, we've seen them try to add negative keywords that would prevent some of our very high intent keywords that have converted in the past would basically eliminate them uh, and, and cause them not to trigger ads. So you need to be very mindful of what Google is suggesting you add as a negative keyword. Let me take a step back. So Google offers a recommendation section, which kind of does all of these things already, but you get to, through the recommendation section, you get to view each of them on a case-by-case -case basis and either apply or dismiss. And that's how we're recommending that you handle this. You're not supposed to be clicking auto-apply on any of these. Go through your recommendation section and, and view it that way. So this is one of those recommendations. Review what they want to add as a negative. Sometimes they may be right, sometimes they may be wrong, but don't let them be wrong automatically. Go and apply and dismiss as you see fit. This one is so key because it is incredibly, incredibly easy to just ex hit accept all and, and think you're done with it. And you don't necessarily realize what a big mistake you made. Like, like you said, Phil, for you know, weeks to come, you may not even know what was the thing that sent your campaign off the tracks. Yeah, really. I mean, negative keywords are extremely important, but we recommend that you go through your search terms report by yourself manually review that, identify the unqualified queries that are triggering your ads, and update your negative keyword list manually. Um, it takes a little longer, but you're going to be much more effective. All right. So the next one is you can auto-apply adding phrase or broad match versions of your keywords. Do not let Google apply broad match keywords to your account. And I will repeat it again. Do not allow Google to auto-apply broad match keywords anywhere in your account. This is going to make you spend a lot of money. It'll run your daily budget out very quickly. You're going to get few or no conversions. It's just a bad idea. Broad match keywords, in my opinion, are just stupid. It's, it's lazy and, and it wastes your, wastes your ad spend. So give me some examples uh, of this just so I can make sure that okay. all of our listeners understand what that is. So a broad match is you, you give Google a keyword you would like to run on. Let's take something as, as, as innocent as your brand name. You could put your brand name, you know, your hotel's name in as a keyword, as a broad match keyword. Google's going to then say, oh, well, well, that's a hotel in this area. So then you could start showing up, your ads could start showing up for things like competitor queries or very generic area-related queries, um, 
or occasionally something that has nothing to do with hotels or accommodations whatsoever. Their broad match is not perfect. Um, it's not even close to perfect. Uh, you, you can show up for, you know, if you put, say, um, hotels with a lazy river, like, well, they're just going to pop the hotels portion out and maybe serve an ad for, you know, a bed and breakfast. If someone search a bed and breakfast three towns over, your ad might show for that. It's, it's really silly, and it rarely ever works. So do not allow Google to apply broad match keywords to your account. Noted. <laughs> now, now would we, we would be able to see this in our search terms report as well. When you start seeing some really funky stuff show up there, is that a good indicator yeah. that you may have uh, gone down the wrong path and not listened to your advice? Exactly. Uh, if, you're, if you're seeing things in your search terms report that have nothing to do with your keyword sets, it's likely you have a broad match keyword somewhere uh, and you need to go fix that. Find it and fix it. And, and the reason, man, I'm speaking for you, Phil, but the reason that is, is because every dollar and every click that comes to your site from a term that is irrelevant to your business is not only a let's say a dollar that's wasted, it's a dollar that couldn't be spent on effective marketing. So it really, it hits you twice and it's, it's a horrible, horrible thing to do. Or if it's completely irrelevant and then the user doesn't even click on it, then your quality score goes down, I'm guessing, because mm -hmm. it's serving irrelevant content to what they're really looking for. It's a triple hit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the next one is expanding your reach with Google search partners. I'm not completely against using the Google search network, but I'm definitely not going to let Google decide if I want to run on their search network or if I want to stick with the traditional Google search result page. Um, Google search partners can include other Google products like Google Maps. Uh, ads could show within Google Maps. Um, but it also includes various sites and apps which may not be relevant at all to your target audience. They're just offering Google a place to place ads and Google will place it there if they find it even remotely relevant at all. And we know they can be incorrect on that. So typically when, when this function is turned on uh, and expanding the reach with search partners, we see click-through rates take a nosedive, conversion rates take a nosedive. Um, we we tend to not use it at all. Um, you may find it works really well for you, and if you do, fantastic. Uh, but don't let Google automatically choose to do this for you. You should be running a test to see if it works for you. If it does, great. If it doesn't, do not use it. In this one, uh, just like the previous one we just talked about, I think it's so important because if you look at what PPC is in terms of the way we think of it, it's intent-based. Someone is searching for information. You have that information and you're putting yourself at the front of the list. When you go to search partners, it's not necessarily like that. Someone's searching for something else or reading an article wherever else they might be and your stuff is just showing up for them. So it's a completely different marketing strategy and tactic that's put in place. And you really don't want to measure it side by side because they, they are different. Yeah, and you're allowing Google to try to figure out who that audience is without actually setting the audience. I mean, I know it's they, they say it's somewhat keyword-based, but we've seen some of the places these ads show up on when using search partners, and, and it's just not relevant at all. All right, next one is adding new keywords. Don't do this. This is very similar to what we just talked about with allowing Google to add broad match versions of your keywords. Um, 
they're going to add keywords. They're going to add broad match and don't let them do that. But what they're also going to do is they're going to add keywords to your ad groups that are not relevant to the theme of the rest of the ad group. So the goal of an ad group is to have keywords that, that are kind of grouped together and in similar themes. And then the keywords in that ad group are supposed to match the searcher intent and the ads or the ad copy you're using will also match that searcher intent. And then the landing page you're using should also match that same searcher intent. So those keywords need to live in all those places in the keyword in the ad group, the keywords in the ad group, the ad itself and the landing page. If you're allowing Google to insert the keywords that they want to insert, it's going to throw off the theme. Um, and what that's going to do, it's going to result in lower quality scores and higher cost per clicks. Don't do it. Don't do it. Pay attention to your own keyword lists. Run on the keywords that you know work for you. And if you're adding new keywords, add them manually and pay attention to them. All so right. Good advice on any given day. The next one in the keyword section here is remove conflicting negative keywords. So this is another one that seems really good on the surface, but it's also really nuanced. Um, so rather than allowing Google to remove negative keywords that you've already added, uh, you need to identify where those conflicts lie. So this is another great, great place to use that recommendation section. Um, if, if you're clicking on recommendation and says, hey, you have these conflicting negatives, well, figure out why you added the negative in the first place and figure out you know, what, what's going on, why is it, why is it conflicting? Um, for example, we've added Hilton as a negative keyword to a particular campaign, overall campaign. But there was a competitor ad group within that campaign that had some Hilton keywords in it. And it says, hey, you have conflicting negatives. Now I could just remove Hilton, but then Hilton related keywords could show up in every ad group within that campaign. Um, we didn't want that to happen. So we take Hilton out as a negative from the campaign level and we add it at the ad group level to each individual ad group, except for that one competitor ad group that we were trying to run on for Hilton. So it's it's really just a refinement of where you're putting your negative keywords um, instead of just allowing Google to take it out completely. So this is another one of those things where it's don't let Google just decide for you. Figure out what you what your original intention was, and 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 fix it from there. So walk me through this one. If if I have Hilton as the example here, and I have Hilton, if I have you know, Hilton three different, four different ways, does that really matter if I have conflicting negative keywords? If it's a negative and I'm not serving on it, does that matter at all? So uh, I'm just using that as an example. Like if you have a specific competitor ad group, like say you have a a, a campaign of non-branded keywords um, and and your non-branded ad groups are hotels in this area um, hotels with lazy river and then your other uh, ad group is competitors well say you say in your lazy river ad group you have it, it could show up as like hilton hotel with lazy river you don't want to show up for that. So if you add Hilton as a negative to that specific ad group, it wouldn't show. But if you don't add Hilton to your competitor ad group, you could run on those Hilton type keywords that, that you wanted to run on originally. And that's why you have a competitor 
ad group. Perfect. That makes sense. Okay. I know it gets a little confusing if you don't necessarily understand the hierarchy of account is the main thing that houses everything. Campaigns house ad groups, ad groups house keywords and ads. So that's kind of the overall structure of pay-per-click search ads. Um, all right. Next one is removing redundant keywords. Um, so Google considers the keyword redundant when two or more of those keywords are very close variants of another. So effectively, either one of the keywords you have could trigger the, the same ad within the ad group. An example of this would be if you have a keyword that is Daytona Beach Resort and you also have another one, Daytona Beach Resorts. It's the same thing in Google's eyes. You just pluralized one rather than the other. Back in the day, you had to do this. Google has a better understanding now, and, and they understand these are basically the same thing. Um, eliminating these kind of redundancies, it's, I mean, it's a good idea. It allows you to determine you know, what keywords are actually performing well and, and, and which ones are not. Because you know, Daytona Beach Resorts might look great. Daytona Beach Resort might not look great at all. Um, but effectively, they're both serving the same ad. So that's kind of the idea behind removing these. Um, this is one where you know I, I originally considered auto applying it, but it's not really a good idea because once once you allow once you remove a keyword, you can't just re-enable that keyword. So say Daytona Beach Resorts was doing very well, and so you know Google said, "All right, don't run on Daytona Beach Resort anymore," and they remove it. And then all of a sudden, the performance for Daytona Beach Resorts just tanks. Um, allowing Google to make that decision, you can't just re-enable the one that was working. You have to add it all over again. So you should just pause keywords that are considered redundant, because then you can re-enable them if you see performance take a dip. Um, removing it, will you're basically going to lose all the data behind it. Uh, it's it's kind of stupid, but that's the way the keywords operate. So if you see redundancies or Google's pointing out redundancies in the recommendation section, just go pause the ones that you don't think you want to keep. That makes a lot of sense. So so in that case, when do you know when to unpause those if if you don't see them being served anyway? This is something where you know you have to be paying real close attention to your to your keywords, individual keywords and the performance of those keywords to to even notice something like that. Um, but we do keyword audits um, and like down to that keyword level, the performance audit, what's performing well, what's not, perform not performing well. Uh, for for some some clients, it's you know quarterly, some it's annually, all depending on the the size of the account itself. Um, but it, it's it's just a very manual process. You have to go and pay close attention to that and say, oh man, you know this keyword was doing so well last year. What happened this year? And then you realize that you probably removed something because it was a redundancy or you paused something because it was a redundancy uh, when in truly it wasn't. Google just told you it was. Um, we, we've seen that a couple times. It's not that prevalent, um, but this is just one of those things where I'm not giving Google the control to start removing keywords from my account. Love it. All That's right. So the Next one is removing non-serving keywords. This is the only one that I said, okay, you know, I, I get it. So removing non-serving keywords, it just means that those keywords have not triggered an ad in the past year. 
So if something hasn't triggered an ad in the past year, there's probably no search volume to it. Uh, you probably added it just because you're adding keywords in bulk. Um, it, you can remove these. But again, I wouldn't select this as an auto apply uh, a lot of the time unless your account is just enormous. Um, you should probably be looking at this in the recommendation section also. Uh, and if you know you just kind of scan through and you see all these keywords that haven't served in a year, you can you know apply all and, and remove them. But check this somewhat manually through the recommendation section and then you can remove them all. Still wouldn't necessarily choose to the auto apply, but again, if you're if you're a chain of hotels and you have hundreds of properties, which means you're going to have probably thousands of these non-serving keywords and they're going to keep popping up, this is one where it's like, okay, it hasn't served in an entire year. We can get rid of it. Is there any harm in not removing them? Like if they just hang out forever? Uh, harm? Um, not should say not directly, but if you leave this alone, it's going to harm your optimization score. Uh, where you know you want you want to maintain a high optimization score to for 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 Google Partner purposes and 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 things along those lines. It's it's not necessarily going to hurt you in terms of creating like a higher cost per click or anything like that. Um, it's just kind of best practice to. Get rid of stuff you don't need. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, that that's honestly a big benefit too because these are the terms that you're going to have to filter through as you're doing everything else, right? So yeah, yeah, exactly. If you if you if you take a a download of all your keywords and you have you know six thousand rows of keywords that you know have zero clicks on them, and then you have to kind of remove them to sift through it all. Yeah, yeah. It, it just it's a pain in the butt. Phil, you have to do that in, in Melissa's terms. So let's say you had 6,000 unread items in your inbox <laughs> and you had to migrate your email. <laughs> oh, goodness. Anyway. We're not going there, Pete. No, okay, not yet. What else you got, Phil? Uh, all right, so the next one's dynamic search ads. Um, dynamic search ads kind of seemed cool at first and then they didn't work, but well, at least for us. Um, to create dynamic search ads, what Google does, they'll look at your website content, um, they'll, they'll look at the pages of your site, and using what they find, they'll auto-generate headlines for your ads, and then they'll choose what landing pages to send you know, people clicking on those ads to. This just takes away all of your control uh, to, to see you know, what, what really entices people to click onto your ad and visit your site. And then when they visit your site, they're just sending them where they think they should. You know better, you know your consumer better. Um, if you're doing regular ad copy testing, you know what, what really entices them to click. And then when they get to your site, you know which landing pages convert best if you're paying attention to your, to your analytics. So letting Google make this choice for you it's it's rarely going to be better than you if you are paying attention. So walk me through this one because everyone should be paying attention, but should you find yourself not paying attention? Is this an easy way to help drive a decent RLAS when you may not be able to be in your campaign as often as you'd like? I would say no. Um, only, well, okay, I'll take that back. 
if you don't care what your ads say, <laughs> then go for it. <laughs> if you want, if you want to have control over, you know, people are searching for, say, your brand name. If you want to control what that ad says, you know, the thing that they see when they hit a Google search result, um, that's gonna you know, make them want to purchase or not. If you want control over that, you should not use this. If you truly don't care and you think Google can do a better job, by all means, try it out. Um, I I tend to think that they don't. Well, they don't work as well as the ones that you know we've created here, and I just I I, I don't ever want to use them again. <laughs> even though the the Google reps are constantly like, hey, why don't you try these uh, dynamic search ads? No. <laughs> no, I'm better than I'm better at this than you. <laughs> so, so th th that's such a good point, though, because you know, there's the Google reps. They do try to help, and they their job is also to explain new new tools that we have at our disposal. But you you do need to, and this is why Phil, this podcast is so important. You know, as you're having these conversations, if it's you or if it's somebody else with your Google rep, you understand it's always not rosy. You know, you gotta understand the ramifications of all these little. Check this box and it'll all be fixed for you. Exactly. I mean, it, it, they're they're going to make it seem like this is this is the best thing for you. It'll make everything so much easier, and, and you don't have to worry about it. It's just not true. Um, you you need to be paying attention to this and and, and fixing all of these things on your own. This is this is this is PPC. This is your optimizations. Don't let Google try to handle it for you. All right, so the last one in the keywords and targeting section is using targeting expansion. So what this does is it allows Google to expand uh, who sees your ad outside of the audience that you set specifically for a particular campaign. Um, we have set this audience expansion manually at the campaign level, uh, but we've seen really mixed results. For some campaigns and some clients, it works really well. Other campaigns and other clients, it it kind of ruins the the performance. So this may or may not positively affect you, but this is why I'm saying this is something you need to test manually and don't select the auto apply option. It may not be the best thing for you. So you know when when you're using this, you know, set it set it at the campaign level. Let it run for a while. Go back, check it, see how your performance changed. If you're seeing positive results, great. Continue it. Uh, if you see that the the audience that Google has expanded you into has really hurt your performance in terms of, say, click-through rate, conversion rate, return on ad spend, you need to stop doing this. But that's, again, that's why you do it manually. Do not allow the auto-apply because effectively what this is going to do is make you reach a lot more people it's going to run your daily budget out faster, um, and you may not be able to reach as many targeted people as you thought you were. Perfect. Right. That's a lot, lot to to go on. Then, uh, so another thing that I want to point out is, uh, kind of back to that point, um, none of these suggestions will necessarily increase your spend overall. Like, it's not going to cost you more money to to do any of this. But what they're going to do is. They're going to try to spend those dollars much quicker to a larger you know, group of people. Like I said, it's going to run your daily budget out faster. It isn't necessarily going to increase your budget. So it might just you know, ruin the performance with the small budgets you have. All right. 
the last section of the the auto apply beta is the ads and extensions so the first one is using optimized ad rotation so this is where you know google kind of sees how people are interacting with your ads and the ads that are getting the highest click-through rates are going to serve much more often fantastic we love this um, we just don't recommend you allow Google, Google auto apply it for you. There are times when you need, say maybe you're testing a new ad, and if you have this setting running, your new ad may never really show. You might not get enough impressions and clicks because Google's gonna continue to serve that one that, can, that has been doing well for so long. Your new one's not gonna get enough impressions for you to really gain an understanding of how it's performing. Um, to change the setting manually, you just go into your, you know, your a particular campaign, the settings, additional settings, and ad rotation. From there, you can kind of select um, whether you want Google to optimize or you want to rotate your ads indefinitely. Now, if you set to rotate indefinitely because you're doing some testing, set yourself a reminder to go check on that test uh, and then see if your new ad variation is doing well. If it is, then you may want to revert back to um, using an optimized ad rotation. Again, this is, this is a cool feature that Google offers, just don't let them auto-apply it for you. All right, we got one more. Adding responsive search ads. Responsive search ads, another thing uh, that I love. You know, These things are fantastic and they can give you a really good idea for how ads perform. So a responsive search ad, what this does is it allows you to enter up to 15 different headlines and four different descriptions um, of your ad copy. And then Google will take those and serve different combinations of them to see what performs best. I love it. I just don't like the suggestions that Google provides uh, for headlines of these. You know, 75% of them are terrible, so I don't use them. Um, for instance, this one was one of my favorites. Uh, Google suggested we use a headline that said, Homely hotel rooms. <laughs> now, the British def—I didn't know this—but the British definition of homely is cozy and comfortable. But for you Americans, homely means unattractive. So, unattractive hotel rooms was not something I wanted in my ad copy. Um, this is this is just like okay, you know. You definitely be using responsive search ads, but definitely don't let Google just automatically fill these things in for you. Um, take the time, write your own ad copy, and make sure you're not calling yourself ugly. And Phil, I mean, you mentioned it before, is like you wanna make sure that you are being able to stand behind whatever you say about your brand. And a lot, in these cases, you don't, know, if you just accept everything and hit done, you don't know that you have an ad out there saying that you have homely hotel rooms. And you'll probably, you may never know if, unless you're paying attention to your campaigns, that when someone searches for your hotel room, your hotel brand, it says unattractive hotel rooms. Yeah, don't, don't become a meme because somebody screenshots that ad next to your, you know, room that may not have been cleaned before the person showed up. <laughs> well, they can't, that well, in happening. that case, they can't complain. <laughs> you told them. <laughs> told you, only. <laughs> Uh, all oh, right. Nice. So is that so it? We have a bonus. Oh no! What is that? So there, there is um, another auto auto thing outside of this new auto apply beta. Um, it's something they've been doing for quite some time. But 
if you were just setting up your Google Ads account and you're not necessarily familiar with this, this is something that's easy to skip over because by default, Google enables a feature called ad suggestions. And what this does is it creates new ad variations and it automatically applies them to your ad groups without explicit approval. Now they'll notify you that they've created an auto, you know, an ad suggestion. If you don't apply or dismiss that within 14 days, it just automatically starts running in your account. So don't do this. Again, these are these aren't great in my opinion, um, and and you want to maintain control over your ad copy. So to turn this off, go to your account, go into the settings section. Click the drop-down arrow for ad suggestions and choose don't automatically apply ad suggestions. Wow. See, I was under the impression that this podcast was going to let me just relax and have Google do everything for me. But you've told me the complete opposite. This is, this is BS. Now, there, the, uh, it is. It is because, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's BS because this is probably going to be awesome in the future after you know, Google gets their stuff figured out. Um, and, and that may be a long time in the future. Uh, but, you know, for now, this is way too new. And what we've seen come through the recommendation section, which is where all of this stems from, um, I want to say you know, 75% or higher of what's recommended, I'm dismissing because it's irrelevant or it would cause me to spend more money when I don't need to or it's going to make me spend these ad dollars ineffectively um it seems real helpful on the surface it's just it's not there yet uh so don't just go and select all of these auto applies because your google rep told you to i have come to probably a wrong conclusion but i'm throwing it out there anyway based on listening to all the things that you've said i am deciding that Google has looked at all of the Google Ads accounts out there and by numbers that the majority of people who run Google Ads have no idea what they're doing and therefore Google is saying we can do this better than you can. That you, Phil, and the Fuel Again team are in the minority of people who are in those accounts every day, looking at all the things, truly optimizing and doing all the right things, where the majority of people, and I'm not saying hotel specific, I mean of the world, are, they barely understand anything. They set up an account at a bare minimal level, they put their money in and then they walk away. So Google is trying to fix, quote unquote, fix them. And, and that's very likely the case. It, it really is. Um, the majority of users of Google Ads are not, you know, uh, us at agencies who do this on a daily basis. It's it's someone running it for their personal business, and they don't know what they're doing. And maybe this is somewhat helpful, but if you care about how your marketing dollars are spent through Google, you should become more familiar with the capabilities of the platform. All of these auto suggestions and and really put the time and effort in to learn it and if you don't have the time and effort to learn it 
call us because we already know what we're doing and we can help you out. Yeah, I mean, this stuff is, is complicated. It, it's, it's very complex. And, you know, when Google first started rolling out all the different things that we now take for granted that they've done to improve the campaigns, you know, everything, if, if you look years ago, what the, the ad structure was, where it was, what, like 3590 was all you, the only characters you could have in an ad. And then that's been completely revamped to be, you know, more copy. There's changes. This stuff is necessary to evolve their platform. You just don't necessarily always want to be the guinea pig and just click yes, 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 yes. It's going to get better. I, Phil, if you looked at what the Google recommendations were, you know, three or four years ago, a lot of the ones that you had to decline then are probably a lot better, this is my guess, than they are now than they oh, were it, years ago. I mean, it didn't even exist that long ago. I mean, this is still uh, maybe a year and a half old. I'd have to look back. It's not It's not even that old. It's just... Um, just in t- no, I'm sorry. In, in terms of just Google's suggestions, oh, you in mean general. what the what the reps were saying? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Of course. Um, yes. And and like I said, many of these things that we talked about today are good things. Um, everything from from the bidding and budgets. We love their smart bidding strategies. Just don't let Google Auto apply it. You know, we we think that there's value in expanding your keyword lists and you know fixing conflicting negatives and removing redundant keywords uh, all of those things they're all valuable it's just the matter of don't think that google has your best interest in mind when they're auto applying these things that's that's really what i was trying to get yeah. at today and, and i would say use these things google develops things based on customer need so you know if google has these recommendations don't auto apply them but realize that it might be something that you need to focus on a little bit more from a manual perspective you know, there, there's a reason that they're saying that we need to have a way of removing non-serving keywords. That's a, that's a simple one. Maybe go in there and start looking at that yourself. If, if they say, you know, whatever it might be, if it's removing conflicting negatives, go in there and look at that yourself. Don't, like Phil saying, don't take everything for granted, but use that as a roadmap to make your campaign better manually. I have another takeaway about Google based on this conversation and my experience with Google Analytics and their quote-unquote insights mm-hmm. that are needed. I, I don't think Google is as smart as they think they are. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The Google Analytics insights are the most useful, uh, I should say useless piece of real estate in the analytics suite. I, I don't, I've never seen a single quote unquote insight that was insightful. Not one ever. Is that because you are the preeminent analytics expert in the industry or is that because no, they're really that horrible? It's truly garbage. <laughs> okay. Because quote unquote, more users return to your site in April. That's an insight. Yeah. That's useless. Yeah it's terrible it's it's awful and so the same goes for you know them trying to be super intelligent about everything else that i I, i'm apparently grumpy about google today (laughs) that's okay we're we're grumpy about them regularly yeah that's that's okay they they are the necessary evil um and it's our job to pay attention to what they're doing and praise them when they're right and do things like this when they're wrong Yep. And this is also, it, it probably is and should be one of the major budget items on your annual budget. 
is you know a PPC campaign. So don't say that you don't have the time to focus on it because if you're focusing as much of your budget that a lot of clients do, the money's saying that you have the time to focus on it. So spend the time and actually do it right. And if you can't do it right, like Phil said earlier, call us, get an agency involved, get somebody who can because whatever you end up spending on someone to manage the campaign is going to make you so much more in terms of better spent money, a better return on ad spend, and you know, better performance overall. There you have it. All right. That's a quick one, right? That's that awesome. Very thorough. It was. Yeah, we're not even in near an hour yet, and, and we still have bantering and jib jabs and stuff like that to do. So <laughs> So anyway, so the reason that we do this campaign that you're li- this podcast that you're listening to, and, and Phil was literally laying down knowledge and just gold in terms of how you need to run your campaign, is because our listeners said that's what they like. So we sent out a survey. You can take it yourself at fueltravel.com/podcastsurvey, and tell us what you like about the podcast, what you don't like about it any random comment that you have, or if you have a topic for the next episode, put that in there because we're using that to craft how this podcast moves forward and give you the information that you need. Of everybody who took the survey, everybody said they liked the how-tos and they liked these real tangible action-based episodes. If you want us to just be ethereal and you know dreamy, we can do that. Probably not very well, but we can try. But we can only do that if you complete that survey and, and tell us what you think. Fueltravel.com slash podcast survey. Bum, bum, bum. And please and thank you. And please and thank you, yeah. All right. So so that's that. Hey, Phil, if they want to know more about the amazing world of hotel PPC campaigns, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn at Phil Fariska, F-O-R-I-S-K-A. All right. How about you, Melissa? I'm on LinkedIn and Clubhouse at Melissa Cavanaugh, K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. All right. Same thing here for me. I'm Pete DeMeo or Pete DeMeo, P-E-T-E-D-I-M-A-I-O on LinkedIn and Clubhouse. Uh, I've checked Twitter recently, but not very. So I think one of those two places are best. You can find all the podcasts and everything about fuel at fueltravel.com. And yeah, so there you go. That is the Hotel Marketing Podcast for this week. But uh, don't be sad. We'll be back next week with the latest hotel marketing news, tips, and tricks to guide you and maximize your hotel, your success. What do you think about that? I like it. All Thanks, right. Pete. I got nothing else for you. Anything else? Boom, bam. Melissa, you just have a good ending sound. Don't, don't. There you go. All right. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. And this is the Yeti mic. I honestly don't hear a difference. Wait a minute. I can. So I can. I thought I heard a roar of snoring in the Yeti. Oh, I hear it now. <laughs> All right, now, now go to the other mic. <laughs> uh, how was that? I still thought I heard snoring. I think, okay, but how's my voice? Angelic. I think you're good either way. So that means that neither one of them is good. <laughs>